good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes but may have questions. In short, well, the program's designed for just someone like me. Because, you know, there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily soul shaking. It might just be something that's been bothering me for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style talk with my pastor is the best way to understanding. And that is what this program is all about. Today's pastor is Gateway and Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. Now I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. And you can send your questions by email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org or call in during the program at area code 314-8210850 if you're in the St. Louis area. And that does include Metro East or anywhere on the toll free in North America. Uh, let's let's uh, amend that to the United States. I don't think Canada's included in this one at 800-730-2727. Pastor Lawrence, welcome back. Yes, good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> and full disclosure here, Pastor Lawrence happens to be my pastor. I'm a member of St. James Lutheran Church. Yeah, we are happy to have you there. <laughs> oh, I'm delighted to be there, believe me. You know, this is... I wanted to discuss today something that's kind of bugging me a little bit. And... Um, well, this has been a bad week for me in a number of ways. Okay. Um, Monday, this past Monday, was the anniversary of my wife's death. I see. And today is the anniversary of my dearest, oldest, and closest friend's death. He died a year before my wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife at the time when he died was already very seriously ill. And he was one of the few people I could talk to about inner feelings and what I was doing there. But the thing is, you know, that that was a number of years ago. And yet the grief is still there. Yeah. So how how do we deal with long-term grief? Uh, how do we deal with long-term grief? Um, you know, the the thing I would suggest in a case like that is uh is prayer. Mm. You know, those are things that we uh, take to the Lord in prayer um, when we feel them. Um, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's natural for that to happen, especially if we have been very close to a person, um, you know, for a long time. Our person is just very dear to us. Um, when that person is gone, um, the the grief is it's real i mean it's and it can be long term um in fact uh there is a couple that um i still see now and we still pray together it's uh they lost a, a child oh dear you know <clears throat> they lost a child um and it wasn't even a child that the woman gave birth to um the the child was really the grandson of her husband but um his daughter that had the child um was not in any shape to care for the child so they had to adopt this child mm-hmm. and uh not too long after they adopted him they found out that he had uh, uh leukemia oh dear 
And uh, I remember the first time I got the call uh, from one of my colleagues that was uh, uh, serving a vacancy in Illinois. And he just called me and he said, um, Wayne, there is a couple with a child at a children's hospital on King's Highway. That's your neck of the woods. Um, maybe you should uh, go down and see them. I don't think the, the child has been baptized. And uh, maybe you should go and see if you can baptize this child. So sure enough, you know, you go down to Barnes, you meet them, and uh, the grandfather who had adopted his own grandson, he's now father and grandfather, <laughs> said, you know, can I baptize him? And he, he was Lutheran, he was raised Lutheran, so he said, sure. And uh, I still remember the, the little young man, he could walk, he could talk a little bit, Victor, Victor Ebers. I never forget him and uh, ran over to meet me. Somebody was in his room to visit him. And, uh, you know, I baptized him. I know he must have been wondering why this guy come to visit me. And the first thing he does is pour water on me. <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? Um, and, uh, you know, visited him quite often. You know, that was one of those hospital visits that you you make uh, sometime two or three times a week, mm -hmm. especially when he just wasn't feeling well. And uh, um, Kim was always there with him. And uh, you could see that she had bonded with this little boy. You could see that she had really bonded. And uh, for a while he was doing okay. And then after that, he, you know, came out of remission. And uh, um, I remember when the end was close. And uh, it was really hard for them. Uh, and it was like around Christmas. Mm, that makes it even worse. That makes it even worse. It was around Christmas. And uh, the hospital wanted to just pull the plug and just say, you know, we've done all we can. And they said, let's hold on until after Christmas. And uh, after Christmas, it was time to just pull the plug. And you see a woman just curl up on that hospital bed with that little boy as if she gave birth to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, really grieved, really cried. Um, I remember driving to, is it Frederick? Fredericksburg or Fredericktown um, to do the funeral. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they to this day, it happened because uh, the little boy was a month older than my granddaughter. And my granddaughter was three at the time. And uh, now my granddaughter is six, over six years old. So I know it happened a good three years ago. But uh, when you talk with them, it's as if it happened yesterday. Oh, I can so empathize with that. Yeah, it's as if it happened yesterday. Sometimes we are friends on Facebook, too. And when you look at some of the things they'll post or copy and post, mm -hmm. and you realize she is still grieving. Um, you know, you don't have to give birth to a child to be a mother. No, you're correct. You know, all you have to do is mother that child. And Does the Bible speak to that of 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 being non biological 
parents? Well, yeah, I think, you know, you know, we are called upon to to be mothers. You know, in fact, um, you know, when it talks about parents, mm-hmm. um, parents are more than just biological parents. You know, parents are those that God has placed over us um, in some setting. You know, even in school, your teacher is over you, you know. Um, in some ways, the government is over us. They're supposed <laughs> to have a, a sort of a parenting um, approach to, yeah. to taking care of us, too. Um, but, uh, you know, when you see how much she bonded with him and just how much the grief is. And so sometimes, you know, all we can do is I visit them sometime and uh, we pray about this. You know, we pray, we take this to the Lord in prayer because it's not easy. Um, I remember many evenings I would go and visit little Victor at the hospital. I would come home, look at my granddaughter, and she was happy and just climbing all over, climbing all over me. And I go, man, how would I feel if, if this was her? Mm. How would I feel if she was the one in the hospital bed with tubes going in and out? You know, it uh, that had to be hard for them. It's, I'm sure it's much worse when a child is involved. Yeah, no. because it's like I have lived, but this child has not lived yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, that grief is real. And uh, you know, even to this day, you know, we email, we sort of um, communicate by Facebook sometimes, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we we pray about this. We take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, um, there's one of the prayers that we use sometimes at uh, funerals where we call upon the Lord to remind us that we are mortals and that uh, we should prepare ourselves to fall asleep in Jesus. And I think grief reminds us of that again and again that we are mortals and we should prepare ourselves to fall asleep in Jesus, you know? I, I can see that, um, but somehow it doesn't really ease the pain. No, no, the pain doesn't go away. The pain of, um, of losing a loved one doesn't go away. Um, it's one of those things we live with. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things we live with. Um, but it's one of those things that we have to take to the Lord in prayer. I think part of it is is also the nature of the death. Was it expected or unexpected? Yes. Uh, yes. You know, my wife was ill for a long time, so her death was not unexpected. My friend, that was a very sudden death. Wow. And it was, uh, we were uh, roommates in college. We were best men at each other's weddings, that wow. kind of a thing. It was really <laughs> a very close relationship. Yes. He was, his, he was yes. family to me. Right. And uh, one day he uh, suffered a stroke, a massive stroke. And uh, three days later, while he was in the hospital, he apparently went into convulsions and was brain dead. Oh, no. And I remember um, his, his son called me uh-huh. and asked me what he thought my friend would want in terms of, of the life support. Right. And uh, so, I mean, giving... Even yeah, trying to deal with... You know, do I do life support or not? Was uh, yeah. was was difficult. Yeah, and it was 
it was fortunately, well, I don't know if it's fortunate or not. I, 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 I said and truly believed, you know, at that point his soul was gone. Oh, you could, the you body mean. was alive, but there was no soul left. Yeah. And so at that point, I said, uh, I told the, the son, he wouldn't want to want you to, Did he you wouldn't have, want you people. Right, to just keep him, keep the body alive. Yeah, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense, yeah. That, that's, that's a question. When does the soul depart? As I remember, as I said, that was my, that was my thought, was that when, when he was brain dead, uh-huh. And it was it's complete flat line. I mean, there's no question. Uh-huh. Uh, does the soul depart at that point when the brain ceases to function? I would not think so. I think that, <laughs> um, you know, if the body is still alive, um, but at the same time, you don't want to, you know, keep somebody alive artificially, you know, for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, if without artificial means... And especially if there's no hope of recovery. Right. If there is, yeah. I mean, the guy was totally unresponsive. I mean, it was just, right. everything was gone. Right. Yeah, I had a case like that, too, where um, uh, a lady, a young lady was uh, hospitalized, and uh, they were keeping her heart going. Mm. She was in the cardiac um, intensive care, and uh, they were keeping her heart going with a machine, and uh, they were telling her mother that at some point they have to stop this machine to see if our heart will beat on its own. And then if it doesn't, she's going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got this call on a Sunday night and thus canceled everything I was going to do Monday morning and went with the mother down to the hospital and prayed by the bedside. And... Uh, you don't get any work done that day because you just sit there with your phone waiting for the call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. is this person going to live or die? And uh, by that afternoon, I got the call that they stopped the machine and she didn't, um, the heart didn't work without the machine. Yeah, so, you know, I think if we're keeping somebody alive by artificial means, um, then, you know, there comes a time to say, you know, um, let's not do this. Let's uh, let the person go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, if that was the situation with uh, with your friend, um, he's brain dead, yeah. um, and you're only keeping the body alive with machines. Mm-hmm. That was the case. Then, yeah, once you remove the machine, then the body's just going to, to die, which is probably what happened. Yeah, he. Uh, they took him off the uh, life support, and he be completely. He, he, the body died. I think it was two days later. Two days later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I do remember thinking at that time that that he was gone. Well, yeah, his mind is gone, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I don't think the you know the soul is still there. Mm. You know, but well, that was I, the question that I because I I really truly believe that at that point when they. When the the consciousness is gone, when the the, the knowledge of yourself is gone, uh-huh. then the soul surely has departed. Yeah, but you know they also say you know take sleep and mark death. Mm-hmm. You know I'm not quite conscious of what's going on around me while I'm sleeping. 
Well, but, there is that. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, my soul is still there. <laughs> you know? That's true, but I mean, you're, but your brain is still active. It's, yeah, your brain it's still, is still, yeah, it's still, still act, working. That's so. true. Yeah. So that'll be a mystery. Which that is when... also, you know, one of the things um, you know, we're told, again, when we go by bedsides, mm -hmm. is be careful what you say. Because oh, yeah. even though the person can't respond, the person might still be able to hear. Oh, yeah. The uh, hospice people were, were adamant about that when I, when I was talking to them when, I, when my wife was, was uh, dying. Right. Was... Yes. Yeah, they say be careful because that person might still be able to hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, and at the end of life, um, the, uh, I remember visiting one of, one of our members, um, in hospice and, uh, oh, she was interest. She was an interesting lady. Um, she had this, uh, medication that kept our heart going mm. and, uh, they had to take away that medication. And they said, when we take this away, you'll be dead within a week or before. And uh, I remember her son and I were sitting there talking funeral arrangement. We had lunch together and they removed the medication and he hung around for a week. He lived in North Carolina and uh, she was alive. And... Uh, was it her decision to remove the medication? Um, the doctors could not. They had to do it, intra, you know, with a with some kind of a line going in, mm -hmm. and they said we can't keep this line in anymore. And she always wanted the DNR. She always had DNR yeah, do not on her. Yeah, do not yeah. resuscitate. And so she said, "Don't put it back in. Just mm. let me go." And within two weeks, he couldn't stay away from work anymore. He had to go back to North Carolina. You know what? <laughs> they celebrated her birthday. And she lived until like a week before her next birthday. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, you know, um, they said she was supposed to die within a week or two. And he goes to show doctors don't really know when you're going to die either. <laughs> Good point on that one. <laughs> but I remember when, uh, you know... When a person sometimes is dying and they're not quite dead yet, but they can't come awake. Yeah. And when she got to that stage was when I was called. It was one of those midweek services. And after the midweek service, I got the call and went to the nursing home. And uh, you realize, okay, this person is, you know, they call it traveling sometimes. Yes, this I've term heard they that use, expression. They, you yeah. know, the person is traveling. person is not dead yet, but the person can't come awake. The person is no longer conscious. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, yes, we do the um, commendation of the dying. I know in the Catholic Church they call it extreme unction or mm -hmm. something like that. It's a, but for us, it's the commendation of the dying. And uh, those are comforting words to to read at a bedside like that, because the person might be able to hear you. Yeah, you know, even though they can't come awake or respond, they might be able to hear you. Um, so yeah, you know, in a case with your friend too, you you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we we pray at their bedside even up to the last minute. And, uh, you know, there was this, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but 
uh, there was this um, CSI program. Okay. And uh, a body was missing from the morgue. <laughs> and uh, the cops were called. Said, we had a body and looked like somebody came to the morgue and, and took the body. So now the cops are looking for a body. <laughs> and uh, they can't find this body. And all of a sudden, they found the body sitting on a park bench <laughs> with a birthday shirt on and a birthday hat on. And you know that little blow thing that they blow yeah, at the right. kids in the mouth? <laughs> and they were like, what is this? So they continued to investigate and found out that um, the friends of the deceased, they knew him well. <laughs> And they knew that he would have wanted to have one more big party before he, before he is buried. <laughs> and so, you know, they say, we just, you know, we couldn't just let him go without have, having this one party. I don't know, even want to think of how many felonies they committed. <laughs> Did you realize this is a crime to go steal a body from a memorial? I said, yeah, but, you know, we couldn't just let him go, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you know, people have their ways of grieving. And I think, you know, this was just, yeah. even though it's a funny movie, you know, it was yeah. just their way of saying, you know, we have to say goodbye to our good friend. Let's say it the way he would have wanted it. Oh, yeah. I, I had another close friend uh, die, and oddly enough, <laughs> I was living in Alabama at the time, and uh, my my dear friend who died recently uh, uh, was down there with his wife visiting me. Ah. And we, this other fellow was a mutual friend of ours, very, very good friend, and uh, he died. And oh. I, I was the one who had to break the news to them. Oh, no. And um, the guy was a... Uh, <laughs> He was a physical giant, and he was uh, he was an Irishman, and was a hard drinking, hard living Irishman. And we decided there's only one good way to say goodbye to this guy. To this guy, <laughs> and oh boy, I tell you, we 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 said goodbye. We said goodbye. <laughs> oh man, I know he would have approved. He, he would have approved. Yeah, but oh boy, did we feel it the next day? Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, and, you know, it's a way of, you know, saying goodbye to a good friend. Yeah. You know? And that was a way of grieving. And like, yeah. like when my mother died, my uh, my brother and I uh, insisted we throw a party for her friends. Ah. Because my mother so loved parties. And you think that that's what she would have liked? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we threw a party for all of her friends. That was a... It was a... I think they call it now a celebration of life, but that was that was what we were doing. Yeah, it, was, yes. it, was, it was throwing a party because mother would have loved it. Loved it. <laughs> See, and that's that's one of the way of you know dealing with with death. Mm. Um, I went to Florida for for my vacation. It wasn't really a vacation, but it was really to see um, my wife's father, my father father in law, because he's not doing well. Oh, I'm really sure to hear that. And. Uh, um, my wife's brother, he brought these flowers um, to the house. And I'm like, what are these flowers for? Only to find out that he brings his mother flowers every week. Oh. 
and he says, "What a wonderful gesture!" Yeah, what? Yeah, and he says, "You know," she said, um, "Give me my flowers while I'm still alive. Don't wait until I'm dead. Mm. You shower me with flowers, and I can't see them and I can't smell them." <laughs> so from now, he brings flowers for his mom every week, and I thought, "Oh, that's wow, a wonderful thing. That's wonderful." So, you know, it also reminds us, too, that, you know, how we treat the people that God has blessed us with while we have them. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's, you know, part of that grief is, you know, gee, why didn't I do X, Y, Yes, you're going to look back and say, you know, was I a loving husband? Was I a, a caring friend or whatever? And you want to be able to, you know, that's why I think, you know, Gratitude, you know, if we are really thankful for the people that God has blessed us with, it we should show it in the way we treat them. Mm-hmm. Because when we lose them, at least we want to be able to say, you know, I was really thankful for that person. It does, doesn't mean that the grief is not, is not going to be hard. It's going no. to be hard. Yeah. Um, Either way you take it, um, you know, <laughs> I was talking to this friend of mine the other day. Um, uh, you probably know him, um, the Reverend Larry Vogel. Oh, yes, I do know him. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. In fact, my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> and we had lunch together and uh, we were talking about life insurance and death. And uh, I just said to him, you know, I tell my wife that if she dies before me, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> you know because you know that's the you know that's how you know we think of the ones close to us mm-hmm. we don't want to lose them oh, you yeah. know uh and uh so i just said you know she better not die before me you know <laughs> and he turned around and said the same thing he goes oh she better not die before me you know, <laughs> you know? So, well, let's take a break at this point. we got a lot more to talk about and how to deal with long-term grief, maybe with laughter. the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for... Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. 
Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. Imagine someone wearing a miniature guillotine or electric chair dangling on a chain around their neck. Does that sound macabre and grotesque? Who would wear a form of capital punishment as a fashion statement? It turns out thousands of people do when they wear a cross as jewelry. Crucifixion was used to carry out the death penalty beginning about the 6th century B.C. Wearing a cross or crucifix has become a paradoxical symbol, a symbol of death and shame, but one Christians see as a symbol of love, redemption, and hope, a graphic reminder of the execution of Jesus described in all four Gospels of the New Testament. Engage with the Bible and its impact on history, culture, and fashion. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor's in. Today's guest pastor is Wayne Lawrence from St. James Lutheran Church. <coughs> excuse me, from St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. Uh... I want to uh, apologize to uh, a couple of callers we weren't able to get to. We, I was missing a producer today. However, we have one in now. So if you do want to call in, we can help you with that. Uh, the number is 314-821-0850 in St. Louis, including Metro East, or 1-800-730-2727 in the lower 48 states. If that's toll-free. So Pastor Lawrence and I are talking about dealing with long-term grief and as i had mentioned this is a bad week for me and that it's the anniversary of both my wife's death and of uh, my closest friend's death and so dealing with that one thing i have done pastor is uh I i try to look at what has happened in my life that is good because of my wife's passing i know that's going to sound strange but because of that, I was able to come here to St. Louis. You know, we're, I always wanted to come back. This is my hometown. I was raised here. And of course, you know, I've been living in California for 30 some odd years. And prior to that, I was all over the country. And I always wanted to come back to St. Louis. And I couldn't do that. And not only was I able to do that, this gig opened up here at the LCMS. It just so happened that they're looking for a professional broadcaster who is also a Lutheran. Hello! <laughs> here he comes. Here I am! <laughs> and, of course, then I was able to... I, I have remarried, and I found a, just a delightful woman who has just brightened my life. Yeah. And these are these are good things that has it's happened to me. Yes, yes. And you know the 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 wife that passed was a blessing also, yeah, you know the Lord had blessed you with her, and uh now he has blessed you with another wife mm-hmm. you know um and so again, as I say, you know, if we recognize these blessings from the Lord and we um respond with gratitude um and really show our thankfulness for that blessing. 
and that also helps, you know, to be able to know that um, we were thankful for that person and we did show it mm-hmm. in the way we treated that person. It really helps us when we when we lose them. Yeah, you know, um, one of the things I notice sometimes with with uh, with people that grieve, sometimes the grieving it's it's out of you know maybe. Regrets, yeah, you know, guilt. I did, yeah, guilt. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. But um, not always, you know. Like I say, with Kim and with with uh, Bruce, it was just their little boy, and wanted to see him grow up and go to school, and that did not happen. And it's it's uh, taken its toll on them. And it doesn't mean that they don't laugh anymore. They still laugh. They still enjoy each other. But ever so often. You know, or especially um, the anniversary, as you said, the anniversary of his passing, um, or when special events come up, when they know he would be starting school. You know, if he were alive, he would be starting school. Mm-hmm. Things like that is still tough. You know, it is still hard it, for them. It's to, got to be. It's yeah, got to be it, it's, it's not easy. But also, you know, they are fully aware that they loved him. He knew he was loved. Um, they did the best they could um, under the circumstances. Um, and uh, they don't have regrets there, you know. They don't feel like, well, we didn't do our best by him. They always say, we wish we could have done more, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if there was more, in fact, one time, you know, I look at her Facebook page and what she's saying was... Um, I would have given my life if it would have saved his, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have to remember that Jesus gave his life so that little Victor has eternal life. You know, there's a lesson there. Uh, look at the apostles, the disciples, immediately after the crucifixion. Uh-huh. How devastated. yes. Yes. And, and hopeless they were. Yeah. And then yes. the joy that they found. With the resurrection. Yes. 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 Yeah. They were so joyous when they saw the Lord. When he came, they were in that room mm-hmm. behind closed door, and here he was. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the joy that he is yeah. alive. Yeah. yeah. That carried them through the rest of their lives as yes. well. Not just for yes. that moment. It was just, yes. it changed everything for them. Right. And I think, you know, that's what enabled um, men like you to go on, even though the grief is hard. Mm. Um, the joy that this person died in Christ, is with Christ, and I will see this person again. Yeah. We look forward to the resurrection of the body and that happy reunion in heaven. Uh, we miss them now because yeah. they're not with us. But we look forward to that resurrection of the body and that happy reunion with those we love who have passed away in the faith. Um, and that's also one of the reasons why we should share Jesus with the people that God has blessed us with. Hmm. Because when we share Jesus with them, we are sharing what will be eternal life with them. Yeah. 
And that, that's, that's the important because, thing. Because, you know, if they fall asleep, you want them to fall asleep in Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, you know what, the, the thing that would really bother me is to doubt. If I have doubts in my mind that this person died in Jesus, mm-hmm. then that's, you know, then that person is really lost. You know, but to know, like my mother passed away several years ago, but my mother was such a, a prayer warrior. She believed in Jesus, you know, and she was always such a prayer warrior. And, uh, you know, I still remember, I keep telling my wife, one day I'm going to write a book and call it At the Foot of My Mother's Bed. Because I still remember her now. Some, there are times when I would sit at the foot of her bed and she would tell me all these stories. Even things about myself as a child that I wouldn't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, tell you stories, you know. And uh, mm. um, you also have treasures. I have those treasures, even though she's gone. You know, I have those treasures. And my aunt, too, she died a couple of years ago, but she was the one who actually raised me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember after going home to Jamaica and visiting her, and you realize you're talking to someone that in some ways knows you better than you know yourself. That's a shock. <laughs> she could tell you things about what you did or what you said. And you go, did I do that? You have those Urkel moments, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that was a, one of the things about my friend. was that, well, We probably knew enough of each other to put the other one in prison for a long time. <laughs> oh, gee. I remember... Uh, <laughs> One of the funniest things that we did, uh, he and I were the uh, were were uh, with the Young Republican Club in college, uh-huh. and uh, one night, one night we went down to the state capitol, and the uh, the parking garage where all the legislators parked their cars, and we slapped Republican bumper stickers on and, and all of the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, that's what I'll never forget. Yeah. The mischievous things you did. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the other things are just plain stupid. But... <laughs> but... And you will always have those memories. Oh, yeah. You know? You'll always uh, treasure those um, those memories that uh, things you guys did together, you know. Mm-hmm. And your ex-wife and your late wife, too, you yeah. know. Um, the things that, uh, the good times you shared. You know? Yeah, they were. They were. I remember um, my late wife pulled a. She, she was something of a prankster sometimes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were um, on a road trip. And we'd been on the road for a long time. And we pulled into this uh, truck stop. And she went into the ladies' room. And when she came back, she pretended like she was a hooker trying to pick me up. <laughs> And you're like, oh, right in front of everybody in the, in the, in the truck stop. Yeah. The other man looking at you and say, oh, man, is he lucky? <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten all about that until just now. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, things, yeah, things like that. You will always remember, you know? Yeah. You'll always treasure those memories. It doesn't. It doesn't make the pain go away. No, but uh, it it helps us to to go on. Help us mm-hmm. to to live. To continue to live. And, and 
as we said, you know, going into the break, and laughter is one way to to, to deal with grief. To yeah, do it, to do yeah, it, to deal yeah, with grief. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, when um, when my parents died, you know, my brother and I both uh, uh, gave eulogies at the her at my mother's going away party, as we uh, called uh, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we told different stories that got everybody in stitches. I remember there was a time my mother. Both my parents, but mother especially, was a, a diehard FDR Democrat. Oh wow! Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then you be, you joined the Republican Party oh, in college. <laughs> yeah, and that's what. Oh, I remember that. This was in the late sixties. You know, we're doing all sorts of political activism on campus, yeah. and everybody's rioting. And what do I do? I join the young Republicans. <laughs> Mother went bonkers. Oh, no. (laughs) Of all the things that, if you have a son in college in those days, of all the things you worry about, you worry about him joining the College of Republicans? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, gee, I do remember that. Yeah. There is another, I can't remember her name, but there's another famous... Um, Democrat whose son um, joined the Republican Party in college. Oh. I remember her name, and uh, he is—he's uh, very much, you know, in disagreement with his with his his mother' political views. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know that. Like my brother and I do not talk about politics. Oh, because he's a Democrat. <laughs> he's the—he's the extreme Democrat. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I remember when my when my my. Parents find my, when my parents said and we were cleaning out their apartment, yeah. uh, they actually had a framed portrait. Excuse me, <laughs> I'm moving my hands around here. Uh, had a framed uh, painting of FDR, uh-huh. prominently displayed. I mean, they they thought wow. he, yeah. they thought uh, he they worshipped. I won't too strong a word, <laughs> but it came close. But it came close to it. <laughs> I mean, they, they just thought he was the greatest thing that ever happened. Happened to America. Wow. Yeah. I have some quibbles with that, but that was something, again, I did not discuss. I remember one day we were <laughs> we were out there probably for one of my mother had a series of heart attacks. And I used to, at the time, I was working as a freelance writer. So I, I had some time when I could go on out and spend time with them while mother recuperated. And uh, I remember... Talking about FTR and said, you know, and we're still paying some of the consequences of his actions. And boy, Dad led into me. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> you do not speak ill of yeah. FDR in this house. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, I, I sometimes have to keep my mouth shut around family. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, like for that reason. Yeah. Well, I do that around my my uh, my wife's family. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a. I won't go into details, but again, we are probably not on the same side politically. My yeah. wife, my wife is is sort of on my side. She, uh, but her family is not. Yeah. No, my family. Oh boy, those are <sighs> so far left. Some of them. It's uh, you know. It's. You, oh, just, yeah. uh, you just have to keep quiet around them. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. Yeah. Just sit and grin. Yeah. <laughs> and then glad when the, those family moments are over. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say, that's why God invented beer. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Oh, but you, know, you have to be civil, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, you will always miss those people, though. Um, yes. You know, they will always, you will always miss them. It's not, uh, you know, it's not something bad that we should uh, feel bad that we, you know, we feel this way, you know. Well, let me ask you another question. Is, is grief perhaps somehow a blessing? In terms of, I think it, it reminds us that we are mortals and that we should prepare ourselves to fall asleep in Jesus. Because death always, you know, which is what funerals do to us. Mm-hmm. Funerals, um, the casket is preaching law. It's preaching a word of law. It is saying, look, the wages of sin is death. This person is dead. Um, and the, the, the work of the pastor is to counter that. That's why we close the casket and we preach about the gift of God being eternal life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the end of the story. Death is not the end of the story. God has a gift for us, and that is eternal life. Um, and I think grieving takes us back to the law and that we are mortals and uh, also calls upon us to look again at the gospel. It's a law gospel thing going on with with us. You know, the grieving is the, 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 the law part of it, you know, and it, it, it makes us run to the cross for the comfort, you know, because in grief we need comfort. Yes. You know, and so the grief is like the law part of it, reminding us of, well, death does happen. You know, someone close to me that was dear to me is no longer with me. Where do I go? To the cross to find comfort. To the to the Jesus who rose from the dead to remind me that death is not the end. That, you know, um, those who die in Jesus are with Jesus. That we look forward to the resurrection of the body. We look forward to this happy reunion to come. I think it, uh, you know, the it's like the two sides of a coin, you mm-hmm. know, law and gospel. And I think the grieving part is the is the law part that uh, well the balancing of law and gospel that's 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 really one of the one of the if you will one of the balancing acts that we have to do as lutherans yes yes and it's not easy no it's not always easy because um we feel the law sometimes mm-hmm. um and then it uh it drives us to 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 go to the the cross it drives us to go to the gospel to find the comfort that we need mm-hmm. you know um, so yeah, in the sense, in the sense that um, it uh, reminds us of um, what death is all about, and then reminds us to look to the the resurrection in Christ to find comfort there. Yeah, then in that sense, I would say you know we always we always say that the law does its alien work so that the gospel can do its proper work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I remember around. One time, a fellow asked me, "What what was it like to be a Lutheran?" Because uh-huh. you know he'd, he'd always heard these. We've, we've got kind of a bad image out there. They think of us as being gloomy. That's because they've never been to one of our parties. But <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> with all those smoke ribs and all, oh yeah, oh, I still yeah, remember that yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I remember saying to him, "You know, it's a bit like being a diabetic." 
Uh-huh. I mean, you're told that you've got this terrible disease, you're going to die of it. And then they tell you about insulin. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. what you mean. I like that analogy, yeah. Yeah. That there's, a, you know, there's hope. You know, there's, there's hope. There's, a, there's treatment here. And so that's what that's why we go to church. Yeah. That's why we go to church, um, to, to, to receive uh, the comfort of the gospel. Yeah, the you confession know? and absolution. Yeah, confession and absolution. But the comfort of the gospel is, 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 is what, you know, that's why Jesus invites us to come together around his word and sacrament. Mm-hmm. Because he has something to give us. He has that comfort of the gospel to give us, the hope of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. You know, he has those things to give us. You know, I just got a uh, an email from one of our listeners. It, it's somewhat related to the, you know, we we're just talking about, you know, when, when we go up to the, the communion rail yes. for our forgiveness. Uh, the listener's asking, can we, ex- can we explain the difference between transubstantiation and consubstantiation? I think a lot of people are confused on that. Oh, between transubstantiation and consubstantiation. Yeah, Yeah, uh, transubstantiation is what Roman Catholics believe. Um, Growing up, I grew up Roman Catholic myself. Yes. uh, They believe that that when the elements are consecrated, that a change happens, that the bread changes into the body of Christ. It may look like bread, it may taste like bread, but it's not. Mm-hmm. They say it changes. And the same thing about the wine. They say that um, at the consecration of the elements, the wine changes into the blood of Christ. Um, and so that's transubstantiation. Yeah. The substance has changed. Um, Even though the, 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 the physical appearance yeah, is the, the same, yeah, but the, the spiritual... Yes, but uh, but it's not what it looks like or what it tastes like. Yeah. It's something else. Now, we Lutherans believe in consubstantiation. Um, the bread is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, the wine is still there. But the, the body of Christ become present in, with, and under that bread. And... The, the blood of Christ become present in, with, and under that wine. And so with that bread, I am getting the body of Christ. And with that wine, I'm getting the blood of Christ. I'm getting both. Um, so that's the difference between the Lutheran position and the Roman Catholic. Now, you know, both believe in the real presence, but how does that happen is where they differ. One is saying it changes, and the other one is saying, no, it, it is really present in, with, and under. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that helps our listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are confused by that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've tried to explain it sometimes to non-Lutherans, and I'm, I kind of fail at that, I must admit. Uh, uh-huh. but, but the thing that we share with the Catholics, and I think with, the, uh, with some other of our uh, denominations is the the belief of of uh, the communion the belief that it is indeed the body and blood of yeah yeah now some of the, I know some Protestants don't believe that no no you may find some Episcopalians may be like us to some degree some of the high church Anglicans may mm-hmm. believe in the real presence 
but most Protestants do not yeah. believe in the real presence. And yet the, the New Testament is very clear. Jesus said, right. this is my body, exactly. this is my blood. He exactly. didn't say it's like it. Right, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, when you um, when you sin against it, you are not just sinning against bread and wine, but you are sinning against the body and blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really, his body and blood is really present. But yet there's that difference between transubstantiation and consubstantiation. Transubstantiation, again, is the belief that bread is no longer there, even though it looked like it. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, um, the Aristotelian logic way of saying it is that um, you have the, the substance of the body, but the the um the accident of bread so it looks like bread you know <laughs> but the substance is really body and the accident is is bread it looks like bread but it's not uh lutherans don't do that um <laughs> we don't uh, try to um philosophize or use aristotelian logic to explain how christ's body and blood become present we just believe that it is because he said so. <laughs> we take him at his word, <laughs> and and of course, you know, in 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 our church bulletins, you know, we have a, a very specific wording that that yes. that you should not do this if you do not accept Lutheran, right? Because you can do great harm, right? Yes, we we we, we prefer if if you have not been instructed, mm-hmm. um, and if you don't share our faith. Uh, we prefer if you just didn't commune. Yeah. You know, I don't want to try to explain on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, it takes more than that. Yeah, takes, we we yeah. certainly would welcome anyone to sit in on one of our services. Sure, sure. And we, many, many non-Lutherans have come up to our altar and receive a blessing. Yes, I've seen it. I've, yeah, I've seen but you, we you just do don't it. commune them. Yeah. Well, we're running uh, out of time, Pastor. you got the... Uh, Probably close to one last minute to go. Okay. <laughs> any any thoughts? Thoughts. Again, yeah. my my ultimate thought and grief is that those are times for prayer. Those are times to go to the Lord and uh, take our grief to Him, because He cares for us, He loves us, and we'll find comfort in His Word, in His love, and ask that He changes the pain to joy yes yes give me joy in the morning pastor thank you so much for being on the program you've been listening to let's talk the pastor's end today's guest pastor wayne lawrence of saint james lutheran church in university city missouri i'm your host kip allen you've been listening to the pastor is in a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.